Welcome back to the Psychotic Break. I'm Kimmy. And I'm Maddie. And today, I don't even want to say it. Today, we are talking about drugs. Yes, we are. We're not saying you should do these drugs, but we thought we should talk about them. In this, obviously, in a psychological way, but also feel like we've mentioned drugs casually throughout a multitude of episodes, so now we're actually going to get into the semi-science and psychology of it. So let's start there. Why drugs and psychology? A big thing with drugs is that it's seen as either the complete brain side going into neuroscience, which we're not, that's not our specialty, or it's seen as something that's highly stigmatized and a public crisis. But for psychology, it could be used in a variety of ways because not only what are drugs, what do drugs do for you, but also taking in account for the individual, especially as we are a younger folk, I would like to argue. And there are a bunch of younger people than us using drugs. And when we say drugs, we're talking about both legal and illegal drugs, and we're really breaking them down to just the basics. There's four different types, which I guess we could, you know, go backwards on our outline. I think it makes sense to talk about them first. Oh, no, I think it'll be easier to explain it because it's hard because you can't just say shrooms. It's not just (laughs) shrooms. It is in its own category within a larger category. It's a tree. Yeah, so there's four different categories of drugs, arguably five if you count designer drugs, which can't really be classified into one of these categories, but that's a whole new category, which we won't even touch on in this episode. You got depressants and stimulants and opiates and hallucinogens and... We're going to quickly break those up for you so you know what they mean. So depressants, they really sound it. They're a downer. You'll often see these as something that is more relaxing and more common, actually, in general, what people are commonly using. So the the most common examples are obviously alcohol and weed. And then stimulants are things that keep you alert. So we're going to call everyone out here. That is caffeine. (laughs) You're doing technically a drug. That's not my business. But that also includes Coke, which is like almost the complete opposite of the normalized caffeine. Well, actually on that, it's really concerning that these are both stimulants. (laughs) And I don't know if you know this about the brand Coca-Cola. They used to put cocaine in Coca-Cola. That's why it was so freaking addictive. But uh, now they just, you know, pump it with a ton of sugar, which is also addictive. I'm. How is Coke so accessible, first off? And how was it so cheap? Because Coke has always been a cheaper drink. Who's going to waste your Coke on this? Well, I mean, that's that's kind of a... Uh, uh... 
philosophical question almost because the whole idea is you know why would we spend so much money producing drugs but drugs are the one thing that can change the psychology of a person it will literally make them not just want more but need more and if you get people addicted you have a customer for life which is awful scary but you know really economical (laughs) Oh no, the consumerism of this is really genius, especially if we're going back into the, we're keeping in the Coke realm where if you are starting off your company of Coke, the best way would obviously to be using an actual drug because then everyone's going to talk about it, then your brand gets bigger and then you can wean people off of the Coke in the Coke. (laughs) So opiates are painkillers that are um, kind of uh, tranquilizers. So these include sleeping pills on one end of the spectrum, heroin on the (laughs) other side of the spectrum. (laughs) Even when typing that, I felt really immoral because yet again, it's like stimulants. One is seen as so common and then the other is illegal and would get you jail time. Yeah. So hallucinogens are, I mean, what you can predict there anything that leads to hallucinations which hallucinations lead to a form of detachment and also these drugs are commonly the ones that last hours like not like three to five we're talking about you're preparing for a day yeah so these are the four categories and the reason i wanted to talk about these is they're all drugs and they all affect the brain in different ways Um, but I do want to present, I don't know if I should present this idea so early, maybe I'll wait a little bit, but, uh, I do want to say that all of these different substances that you can introduce to the body changes the person's mental state. That is why drugs are so relevant to psychology because they're used to both enhance and destroy one's psychology. Which is shocking because especially with drugs that we see as very nonchalant like caffeine and weed almost they you don't see the effects it's not an immediate thing until it's i mean it's withdrawal and you can have withdrawal with these simplest things like caffeine when you don't drink coffee for three days you will get a headache and you assume it's something else but it's because you're genuinely addicted to the normalized drug. Yeah, and although we're not pros in, uh, uh, I don't even remember the word, not neurology, but uh, neuroscience. neuroscience. Yeah, even <laughs> that's that's a big L for me. Although I'm not a pro in neuroscience, I am a fanatic, so I can explain tolerance at a neurological level. Tolerance is. Uh, <clears throat> Basically, tolerance is becoming used to a drug, but what's actually going on in your brain is super cool. It's horrible, but it's super cool. (laughs) So here's what happens. (laughs) When you introduce a drug or any, any hormone, like both natural and unnatural, your brain has certain receptors that accept this drug, and 
the body is run by homeostasis. So when there's too much of something or too little of something, your body is going to accommodate for that over time. So here's how tolerance happens. You have this process called upregulation, which is when neurons make more receptors to accommodate for the very few proteins or molecules that come in. This happens when... Um, I mean, this tends to happen in a normal person who's just not getting enough of what they need. So, you know, if someone is predisposed to not have or not have the capability of making a whole lot of dopamine, your brain's going to make more receptors in the hopes that it can cling on to what's ever in the body and that none go unattached. Here's what happens when you expose a ton of drugs to your body unnaturally. <laughs> your body freaks out because there's only so many receptors and your brain is being flooded with these chemicals. So your body learns that, oh, there's a lot of this chemical. I, I don't need this much. I'm going to take away the neurons. I'm going to take away the receptors. And soon you won't have very many receptors at all because it's trying to reach that point of homeostasis. This is bad because if you are dealing with dopamine, if you lose all of your dopamine receptors, you can't even get happy off of regular things in your daily life. And that is where addiction comes into play because as soon as you lose that ability to produce dopamine, and I'm going to argue in a semi-natural manner, like seeing your friends, I don't know, I forgot what things make people happy. I feel really embarrassed by that. <laughs> Food sex <laughs> the the natural um the hierarchy of needs type of deal but if you lose your ability to have natural dopamine that is the reliance on these third-party substances such as alcohol or something that lead you to actually gain that pleasure back which almost sounds very similar to depression on a level <laughs> as i'm saying it well, there's a very fine line. There's many fine lines here. There's apparently a fine line between cocaine and caffeine <laughs> and heroin and um, what was the other one? Sleeping pills? Sleeping pills. So one thing I wanted to ask you is this relates to a different fine line of do you think, and I think I know the answer to this, do you think people should turn to drugs when they're depressed, when they are extremely anxious, when they're so far gone that regular therapy is just not working for them. That's so hard because in the answer, I mean, in the overall, the answer will always be everyone is different. Everyone's bodies are different and what they're experiencing is going to be different. However, I would argue if you're not able to find that ability anymore and you've turned to all the outlets such as like medication, therapy, all of that, it could be worth it. I've had a friend that had a medical marijuana card by 18 or 17, something like that, because they had used all of their sources, I can't process words right now, that if a doctor is suggesting that, it almost makes it sound very unethical from their side. Like, can you not do more? That is what your profession is. But I could totally see the appeal of turning to drugs as a source because 
even if it's to simply mellow out the brain or distract a person so you're not completely fixated. However, I also know people that are medicated, are very depressed, and still use, but also have some of the worst experiences under drugs, but Mm -hmm. they keep going back, and it doesn't completely make sense. Yeah, I guess I should have uh, specified or made the disclaimer that when we're talking about drugs, we're talking about, you know, both medication, like like uh, oh, yeah, antidepressants, yeah. Ritalin, Adderall, those kinds of drugs. Um, it's sounded a little bit like, you know, if you if all else fails, just drink, just <laughs> fucking do cocaine. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's not what you were intending, but. I was more asking, like, what's your opinion on medication? Because you've told me in the past, and it might have been during one of these episodes, that you kind of lean away from supporting medication. I So prior to getting on meds myself, it was a lot of negativity from others saying that it made them feel like a zombie. And they were on a different medication so everyone yet again different but after being on it I had one that made me feel like utter shit and I wanted to just smoke all the time then I had one where I didn't necessarily need it but it made me feel good it was a choice rather than I need something however I am kind of an advocate for trying weed at least if we're gonna try anything because there has been like some research maybe not the strongest research but some research and personal experience where could argue that it has its benefits especially if you have chronic pain or something it does more than just the mental health and i think that's really important to acknowledge Yeah, I really like that answer. I think that's a super well-rounded answer. I personally agree with your original statement where it just depends. And I think, you know, with trying anything, both the, um, the casual drugs, like, well, sometimes they're not so casual, but alcohol and weed, um, all good things come in moderation, I (laughs) would say, (laughs) but, uh, to be careful, uh, especially if you're going on a medication, Uh, I personally am thinking of going on medication to deal with my issues. And I know for a fact, I I have done all of my research that Mm -hmm. has made me feel confident in this choice. And to, again, do it in moderation, start with the lowest dosage and go from there. And it does depend. It very well could be trial and error for everyone. Mm -hmm. But I think it's worth the try because I firmly believe that because all of our brains are different, because we have different experiences, different stressors, different genetics that are contributing to what is our reality and what is our physical body, I think some people are simply dealt a bad hand of cards. I think I'm one of them. I think, you know, I'm genetically (laughs) predisposed to be sadder than the average person. And I would like to think that drugs in this case can level the playing field for me that is a beautiful response to it especially as you completely think through your actions before i definitely don't so i really respect that because it is coming from personal experience and knowledge and kind of like experimental almost where regardless if you've tried it you are entering a new field 
But I would also love to emphasize that if you are on a medication, like specifically a prescribed medication, maybe do not mix the other types of drugs we've been talking about until you know for sure and especially how you react and having a person there because I've heard so many stories of people that are on some of the most insane, like the strongest of the strongest drugs for schizophrenia. And I know people that have been totally fine smoking weed while on these meds. And usually they don't advocate for it, but everyone's different. But then it also can send someone in a complete spiral. So be cautious when mixing is obviously the... (laughs) Thank you for that, that information for that warning. I think that's really important for people to know. As we start to wrap up here, I want to present this idea to you that I think is revolutionary um, and I'm really excited to share with you. It may not seem cohesive at first, but I have examples and I I just, I had a revelation today that will help clear it up. So I had a professor this last semester, uh, Aaron Fisher, PhD, who said in health psychology, this comment, which I love, let me find it. (laughs) Okay, here's what he said. Drugs cannot make the body do what it isn't already capable of doing. I'm gonna let that sink in for a second. And then I'm going to tell you the context of why he said that. He said that in the context of talking about drug addicts, talking about his own experiences, personal experiences. Well, not him personally, but you someone who knew knew very closely who died of addiction. And they always say it's the drug, but it's not. It's the person who's taking the drug. And yeah, the drug is making them, you know, act in certain ways that um, maybe they wouldn't have before. But the main point here is there are many different inputs that we can give to the system that is our our body, our neurological system, our nervous system. And there's only so many outputs. So the example of uh, I want to give is of caffeine. Caffeine, once taken, can make you excited, uh, maybe a little anxious, a little shaky, but for the most part, people take it to be alert and focused. That's not to say that you can't reach that level on your own. Believe me, with enough sleep, you can be that alert. With certain actions, you can reach that level of alertness and focus. It just depends on what you introduce to your body. But caffeine is not going to change the system itself. None of these drugs are going to change the system itself. Does that make sense so far? No, it makes total sense. But I have like one, because I totally agree with this. My only question is, what about those that are more prone to addiction biologically, like chemically? Well, I think the neurological system accounts for that. I think, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna drop my revolutionary analogy that I mm-hmm. had while uh, writing the outline. Let's think of a car's tires. They have literally one function to rotate and to get the whole car moving. They rotate in many different environments, in many different terrains. 
but they you can't make it do you can't put it in a situation where it's going to stop acting as a wheel it's not the only time that it's going to stop stop spinning is when you're in a position where you can't spin anymore and Mm -hmm. even more so if you don't use your car at all it's going to rust and it's just not going to work anymore but Otherwise, it's going to be in pretty good condition if you use it moderately. If you use it a lot, you're going to wear down your tire. I think that's the analogy to drugs. Drugs can't make the system do anything it's not already capable of doing. You can put it in different terrains. You can have different drugs. But the system is built as just that. And addicts are just people who who overrun the system a little too long until they're worn out. And if you get too worn out, you die. (laughs) So the tire stops moving. Whoa. That also, by the way, amazing analogy. Thank you. Like, phenomenal. One of your (laughs) best, honestly. Because I do enjoy Maddie's analogies, but that by far was, like, stellar. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Given what your prof said... I can't argue otherwise because, I I mean, we'll emphasize it as many times. Everyone is different. Everyone's bodies are different. But you're not wrong because even if I picture it as you could be born with a bad brain and still use substances to cope, it's not masking what is already there. And it's purely a short-term cure. I want. I don't think here's the word, but I'm going with it. So, wholeheartedly agree, and I really like that your professor said that because it's something that you don't think of because we have normalized it as maybe because society's kind of anti-drug, but that if you use drugs, it is meant to be a coping mechanism when. It doesn't necessarily have to be and kind of puts the body back into control in a sense. Yeah, so I guess what we're trying to say here is since everyone is different, you just have to know yourself and be able to do things in moderation and do, I I really am trying not to say uh, do drugs, but to, (laughs) (laughs) to make choices wisely and know what you need. I don't think that alcohol is going to be the cure for anything. I think alcohol is going to create more problems than it, than it solves. I think the same is for a lot of recreational drugs, but I think we should keep an open mind about, about medicine, about drugs that are used as medication that can really help people. But uh, for those of you who are perfectly fine, who have perfectly great brains and are just fucking it up, I'm mad at you and you should stop. (laughs) I don't even want to comment from that. (laughs) Let's wrap this up. Okay, give me heads or tails. Um, tails. It is heads. You came <laughs> to kill, and it was awesome. Okie doke. Wrapping up now. 
Today, we talked about drugs. We started with the four main categories of drugs, which are depressants, being alcohol and weed, stimulants, coke and caffeine, opiates, like sleeping pill and heroin, and hallucinogens, like shrooms. There's obviously more drugs that we haven't mentioned, but those are the four main categories. We talked about addiction in the brain. We also have an addiction episode. You should check that out. And I explained the neuroscience of tolerance. So you have upregulation and downregulation. Moral of the story, don't flood your brain with drugs if you don't need it. And I you know, stepped on my soapbox and said that drugs can't make the body do something it's not already capable of. And if you were given a bad deck of cards for your life, maybe try some medication. That could help. But don't fuck up a good brain. Oh, love that. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kimmy. Sorry. I'm thinking about, I was really, because you talk about like, I mean, as soon as someone says I like got on my soapbox or whatever, I was like, is she going to do it again? Is she going to like call up the people with good brains? I want to hear it. (laughs) No, it's just such a shame. I mean, from someone who was given, was dealt a bad deck of cards, I'm mad at the people who are throwing away their lives over addiction. I mean, I'm sure they have their own problems, but they're definitely creating more problems when they could be doing things in moderation to solve them. That is a totally valid point because, I mean, we've all met and there's no such thing as normal. But once you meet someone that is genuinely normal, it's hard to, like, unsee the world that way. Yeah, for sure. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode about drugs. Uh, We certainly did. (laughs) And uh, yeah, uh, stay tuned for more exciting episodes to come. Again, check out our addiction episode. That one was super good. That was was an OG episode too. I feel like that was season one or season two. Yes. uh, Yeah, Uh, we're going to keep doing this because it's really fun. And it's a great outlet. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. This has been The Psychotic Break. I'm Maddie. And I'm Kimmy. Bye. Bye.